Hey guys, welcome to CEO Secrets on the podcast today. I've got a special guest, Adam Hergenrother, who has built a real estate empire. Um, Adam's located in uh, Vermont. He's got a, his core real estate team there, multiple expansion teams. He's all, he's also the author of a book that was just released um, at the top of Amazon. You can find it on iTunes, Audible, uh, called The Founder and Force Multiplier. Adam, welcome to CEO Secrets. Hey, man, thanks so much for having me here. And I uh, just want to say thanks. I know much time and energy goes into doing uh, these uh, podcasts. So uh, your audience is grateful for you for taking the time to do it. So thank you. Well, hey, I want to dive in. We got a short amount of time and I got a ton of questions. Um, I have not read your book yet. I know you just released this book just recently in the last couple uh, couple weeks. Tell us what was the inspiration of the book, uh, Founder and Force Multiplier? Thanks. Um, yeah, I mean, I definitely want to add some value to people. But um, so last year, I read a blog every week that's called Herg Life. Um, and it's just kind of a cool collection of things that we do. So every week, we had about 139 different countries um, and four, over 40,000 people who read it. And the interesting thing, Chris, was um, the neat thing is you can test things out in the marketplace. So the first blog that I wrote, Hallie and I co-wrote one of them about the EA relationship with an executive, right? So we call it the force multiplier and, you know, in, in the founder or the executive or the, you know, the, the visionary. And that, that within 24 hours, that blog post went through the roof. And so we were like, wow, maybe it was the time of day. Maybe it was this, whatever it was. And so about 60 days later, we wrote another one about the EA uh, founder relationship. And again, the same thing happened. And then a Another 30 days later, we did the exact same thing. Those three were the highest blog posts that we had out of, out of all of 139 countries. So clearly there was a conversation that needed to happen there. Um, so then uh, Hallie and I got together and wrote the book, The Founder and the Force Multiplier, you know, how entrepreneurs and executives achieve more together. And it's a roadmap for creating a strategic partnership between you as the executive, the owner, the visionary, the founder, the CEO, right? And your right-hand person. And in our world, we look at the force multiplier as somebody who is going to force multiply your life. Meaning that this person is typically doing the same project that you're doing. They're just doing different parts of it. Chris, you know, you and I are good at certain things, but we're terrible at a lot of other things that the force multiplier should be really good at. So we walk people through who is it that you really need? Is it a PA? Is it an executive assistant? Is it chief of staff, chief of anarchy? And then we provide the models, systems, and tools to create the relationship so that you can continue to go and build an organization and have time and energy for one person. Adam, dude, my, my high D kicked in because like I, you just told me about this book before we went live, and I assume everybody knows who you are. So I got to start over. Tell, tell everybody a little bit about your journey. You're an amazing human being. Iron Man, your team, like, well, tell us about your journey. And I'm, I should have done this in the beginning, but I just want to know more about this book. So yeah. tell me more about how you got started and kind of your background and how you got to where you are today. Yeah. Well, well, thanks. I hate, I hate kind of talking, I hate kind of talking about myself. It feels weird, but, um, the, uh, um, so in 2006, I got into real estate and success is sequential, not simultaneous. And so I became, I, I was an agent and kind of fast forward a little bit through this. I, quickly started embracing the team concept locally and became the number one agent um, fully in production uh, in about 18 to 24 months. Um, and then from there, I 
bought a market center. So I own market centers for Keller Williams Realty um, and I'm an investor in other ones. And from uh, essentially from there, I worked its way starting about 2011, I started doing expansion. Um, and we have now locations in 20 states. We were number three real estate company in the world last year, um, which, which is pretty neat. And it's a testament to our team. Um, we're doing about 13 to $14 million in GCI right now. Um, and we are, we're, um, which is a pretty neat thing for, from expansion standpoint with what I was going to say there is that we've, I went through a lot of trial and error with that. I, I spent a lot, millions of dollars, like you were talking about in the mistake that you had of uh, trying to get there for it. And we've kind of pushed past that geometric growth curve from there. Simultaneously in 2012, I started a company called BlackRock Construction. Um, we were number 42 on the Inc 5,000 list, the highest any company in Vermont has ever been. Um, I own about 900 plus residential units, multifamilies, healthcare campuses um, in Vermont and a little outside. Um, so we have a BlackRock has a construction division, a property management uh, organization, a um, a luxury division, a production division, and then we build our commercial facilities as well too. And I started that about six years ago. We have Adam Hergen Arthur Training, which we do um, a, a full year immersion course um, for about 25 individuals. What's um, uh, opening up, and the next one opens up in March. We have one-on-one coaching with our group, um, with our with our partners that are there. We do group training, and then we've launched the founder of the force multiplier and then we have our foundation so that's a little well, bit about me. yeah so let me ask you some questions so one of you know your it sounds you know i haven't read your book yet i'm definitely going to pick it up yeah but um uh, it sounds like you know finding you know it talks about finding some of those key people to help you empower you to be focused on your strengths when you're growing your business but one of the one of the um key elements to scaling any business and you know accomplishing um you know uh, exceeding at the level you've exceeded at is like, you've got to get really good at, identi- at identifying leadership and leaders to run this organization because you, Adam, can't run all of these companies. So um, for those of those, for, for people in the audience that are listening right now on Facebook, and by the way, if you guys are in Facebook right now in our private Facebook group, you can chime in and ask any questions you want. Feel free to ask Adam any questions on the, um, in the chat box. And I'll try to um, try to a- ask him those questions and then, for those of you guys listening on iTunes or YouTube, um, check out our private Facebook group and um, and you guys can watch these live. But um, Adam, like what's like, h- how do you go about identifying um, leadership? So, and, and I guess before I, before you answer that, um, so what I've experienced is you can grow leaders organically, like from inside the organization, um, but it's really slow. That's a slow process. And so like, what are your tactics and strategies around like finding external leaders to bring into an existing organization? Because that's hard. You can easily alienate the people within your organization. Like, tell me more like your strategy, philosophy, methodologies around finding leaders to be able to scale and have multiple companies. Yeah, great insight and, and great question. Um, well, number one is in the beginning when when you don't have cash, you have to organically grow people, and you're and you're dealing more with kind of emerging talent. They haven't quite proven themselves yet, so you've got to do your best guess to find people before they become talent. Because once they become talent, they're expensive, right? Yeah. So you have to you have to you first have to be really good at hiring. You also have to be really good at firing because you're going to get a lot. You're you're just taking more risk, right? They're just, they're unproven talent. And so you, you, we, I developed through that. I went through a lot of people early on. Um, And then you start to um, develop what here, here's, I always, I always tell this to people like, um, 
you only know the highest level of talent based on the highest level of talent that you have ever led personally. And so a, a talent in somebody's world may be a, a C in somebody else's world, or there may be an A in somebody's world and a D in somebody else's world, because you only know the highest level of talent based on the highest level of talent you've ever led yourself. And so part of that is, is just continuing to, to get people into your world that cause you to think bigger, that push you a little bit more. And the funny thing is, and I know you've experienced this, once you get somebody who's really talented, you start def- defining a new standard for your business because you no longer go backwards for the hires that you have, particularly the people that are touching you. The other thing about this is, and I'll answer the question about how to attract people in a second, but fundamentally, most people walk into Verizon and they go, who in, he- who in here wants to buy and sell a home, right? Because you're trying to look for clients. Then at some progression in your life, you start walking the Verizon, you go, hey, I wonder who in here I could hire, right? To go help do this. And then the final progression that I, that I see that you can, you can get to is that you walk in there and go, how do I buy the whole building in the company? And so when you, it's just your change of your thinking is going to change your results and your actions. So as you progressively work through it, earning your right to build a business, you start changing the way you look at individuals and people. And you, and you hear this, it's such a cliche thing that people make all the difference in the world, but there's always like, and at least I've experienced my, my life. Every time I say that a year from now, I, I feel it more, right? Like, I, I get it at a different level and I don't think that ever ends. Um, so we, we, I put a lot of focus on that. The other thing is um, you got to build a brand. I mean, why does Apple have, you know, 3 million resumes that show up every six minutes, right? Like because they built a brand and people want to work for them. Yeah. So I always ask people and I ask your audience, this is, is why does a, an agent or an employee want to come work for your team? What make, what separates you? What is it? Is it's not just going to be money because money they can get almost everywhere. So you have to figure out what it is and have the courage to be who you want to be. You know, there's a lot of people who know how they want to run their organization, but are afraid because of what well, what's Chris going to say or what's Adam going to say or what is this person going to do? Let me remind you, nobody gives a shit about anybody else um, in their world. So you got to go out there and just have the courage to be who you are and let the world know that. Because that way, when you walk into a room, 50% of the people are going to love you and 50% of the people are probably not going to like you, but at least they're clear on who you are. So you start attracting the people to your organization that are following your philosophy, your ethos, your mission, your why, whatever you want to call it, so that you can come together and build something together themselves. Mm-hmm. Love that. So um, just to get, I guess, to add some more clarity to this. So if you're if you're starting out in your business and maybe it's you and maybe a couple other people, um, you know, you you it's a lot of trial and error trying to fight and figure out who's who's going to be the rising star. Um, but for those of and and, I, and that makes a lot of sense and I totally get the cash piece. But like, let's say you're like that next level up where you've yeah. got the money, you could go and afford to pay someone like a really strong salary. Yeah. And let's say you've got a good brand. Like, still, what are the tactical things you're doing to fill the top of your funnel with? lots of interviews to make sure you're getting in front of enough people. Are you well, staying them, mobile? Yeah. Are you looking out? Go yeah. ahead. One of them is this, right? I mean, you're, you're, you're literally, you want to create a wide funnel. So you want people to, I think teaching and training is one of the most important things that you can do locally. You do a group coaching webinar, whatever it is that you want to do. There's a whole bunch of ways to get out there. I also have been writing a blog for the last couple of years, every single week and just continue to get more subscribers to it. One of the reasons why we wrote the book was to continue to build our brand in a larger way. And here's the other thing is you don't have to do any of that though. Like just start broadcasting the next time you and your team start getting together and, and and start doing a call night, right? Of just some things that you're doing. Just let people, look, talent wants to surround yourself with other talent. Let me, I'll back up a second. Another thing too is between 
our current organization, and this will change for anybody's numbers, um, but I bet we interview somewhere between 20 and 25 people a week between all of my organizations, between the people that are there. I have Hallie, who's my chief of staff, is in, she's doing three KPAs today. I spent three hours, two and a half hours with a guy who flew up from Atlanta today just to, to help potentially run something else that we're doing. So, I mean, it's it, our world, my world is all about how many meetings can I get with people that are the talented people that we have, but you've got to be able to clear the noise outside of that to be able to focus purely on it. You know, everyone focuses on leads and listings, which are vital to your business. I get it. But then they don't go to the other side of the triangle, which is the leverage side. Or if they do, they spend five minutes there and they wonder why they can't hire the right people. Well, if I asked any one of the individuals in this group that to go come up here and recite their listing presentation, dude, they would kill it, right? They would crush their listing presentation or their buyer presentation, right? But how often do you spend time learning about people? learning their behavior, learning your behavior, learning about what people are looking for. How do you be vulnerable to people that are around you? So it's, it's, it's moving yourself from the inside of these things, the, the listings and the production side, to moving across the triangle to learning about people, learning about yourself, learning about how to lead people, reading one to two books a week. It's about, look, time is not the cheat. Everyone has 24 hours in a day. So why do some people accomplish more? It's how they use their time. And ultimately what that comes down to, Chris, is their ability to say no. I always give this example like the day before vacation, right? You people get so much done the day or two before vacation. And the reason why it is, is because it gives them almost an excuse to say no to everybody else around them mm-hmm. and that they feel comfortable saying no, okay, because I'm going on vacation. And it allows them to stay purposeful in what they're doing. You know, the biggest misperception people have of me is that I just work all the time. And they're like, oh my God, I almost work all the time. Well, I work four structured days and Fridays is, as you mentioned earlier, I do Ironman. So it's my long training day. So I don't, I don't deal with that. And I work in bursts, 830 to 1130 and then 130 to about four and I'm done. I'm up about 330 in the morning between three and four. I spend a couple hours of personal development. I'm just very clear on how I spend my time. Let me just give you one more example. Most people live their life in these boxes. So the first box is like this learning box and they go from one to 22 years of age, depending on their highest level of education. And they spend their entire time in this learning box. And then once that's checked, they move to this work box, right? And they work and you know these people, Chris, right? I've got eight more years left in this company. I just gotta, I gotta hang it in there a little bit more. I got 15 years left and I'm gonna get $1,100 a month coming in or whatever it is. And they hang on in this box. And then they finally, as long as they get this box long enough, they can go to this final box, which is the play box. When I kind of realized this, um, you know, a couple of years ago, I just decided to reframe my life and say, well, I'm going to learn, work and play every single day in my life because people haven't realized we're all going to die and nobody knows when that's going to happen. And so I want to, when I'm taking my last breath here in this physical world, I want to make sure that I play it out in today's in today. So I, 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 I've allocated a certain amount of time for personal development. I've allocated a certain amount of time for work. I've allocated a certain amount of time for play. Play may be physical too, maybe with your kids, maybe reading, right? Maybe one of those things. They can kind of go together. But if you don't get parameters or boundaries on those categories in your life, then you're not living a life by design. You're living somebody else's life. And so the, the really interesting thing is when you get clear on this, when you get clear that the people that matter the most matter more than anything else, the decisions in your life become easy. There isn't a class in college that's like decision-making 101. And so people have, are, 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 there's, there's so many opportunities and, and decisions people can make every single day 
that they don't know what they're saying yes to and what they're saying no to. So I want to bring that back to, but if you want to build a business, that's great. But you're going to have to get very clear on what you're going to have to sacrifice and what you're going to have to say no to and what, so that one thing that you can say yes to, to actually move your organization forward. So, and so to summarize in a nutshell, what you said, Adam, is one of the secrets to transition from being a self-employed agent, owning a job, or maybe even thinking you own a business, but yeah. you actually own a job, yeah. to, being a, to being a CEO, owning a business is um, you start to shift your time, not on lead generation, lead conversion, but on finding the talent that'll take what you've mastered, sharing with them how to do it and start implementing and um, you know, building people underneath you to create leverage. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so, so something, something else you mentioned is, you know, time blocking and, um, and discipline and waking up early. I'm a huge advocate of that. Um, were you not, were you naturally a disciplined person? Like what, like, is, do you feel like discipline something people can learn? Like if somebody out there is struggling with like time blocking and like getting disciplined, like what's your advice to help them get back on the right, um, track to, um, you know, finding discipline so they can ultimately find freedom. Great question. Well, I think discipline equals freedom. Um, otherwise, it, it you know, you know, Elu and Cupid, the guy who just broke the marathon record by like a minute, just has came out this quote. He said, "Discipline equals freedom. Otherwise, you are a slave to your moods and your passions." So, people who don't live a disciplined life just do are just slaves to how they feel, right? And that's just I think that's really important. I uh, up until I was about 16 years old, I don't know if you know this, um, I was about 100 pounds overweight. I was in the drugs and I was failing classes. And one day when I came home. Um, as a freshman in high school, I just started crying. I literally just hit a point in my life where I, I didn't care anymore. I was living somebody else's life. I was very insecure. I was very overweight. I was just, was, I just had had enough. How much so, did you weigh, Adam? A little over 300 pounds. Uh, <laughs> and now you're doing Iron Man's. Yeah. Well, and, and the cool thing was, is, is when I hit that breaking point, I literally lost hundred pounds within a year. I ended up becoming captain of my football team. And so I started working on myself to give me the discipline that I never had for 16 years to start understanding that I may not know everything, but I have the confidence to be able to figure it out. And so I believe that 99% of people are made. And that if people subscribe to that, Chris, that conversation in itself makes people uncomfortable because if they subscribe to that, they have to then put the pressure on themselves because if they tell themselves the truth, then they'll realize that everything they want to accomplish is on them. And a lot of us don't want to subscribe to that because it puts the pressure on us. So I believe that any that you can add as much discipline you want in your life. Even when I first started real estate, I used to sleep into 7 30, 8 o'clock. I'd get up and I was living in a 400 square foot apartment. I borrowed eight grand to start my first business. And I would just lead generate in a closet. I literally, because I was just so loud um, that my girlfriend's time, we, we had to, I was just in a, I was literally just lead generating. And you you ultimately what you realize is the more disciplined you become, the more freedom that you have. And it's in, in, in real estate, it's the freedom that brings a lot of agents into the business, but it's the freedom in itself that causes a lot of agents to fail. That's why it's such a transitory environment that we, that we live in. And so what you're looking for in leaders is you're looking for people that have the disciplined habits to make it in real estate. Let's in break this down a little bit more. Okay. So like you, you hit, you hit rock bottom and it reminds me of, uh, I watched an interview of, um, God, what's that guy's name with Joe Rogan? He interviewed um, 
he's like the hardest man on earth. Yeah, I can't I can't believe that guy's name. Um, um, just um, you can't hurt me. Is, can't hurt. Yeah, uh, Goggins. Yes, Goggins. Yes. So you're like Goggins, three hundred pounds. You yeah. hit this low, and like you know, you slowly, incrementally start developing uh, discipline. And so Goggins says in his book, like he went out and he like walked, or I think he said he ran a quarter mile, and then he had to walk home. He but threw he, up or something. Yeah. 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 And so he got incrementally better. Like, and, and for him, he talks about how he just started like imagining what if, like every day he woke up with like, what if I could go half a mile and then a mile and it just compounded over time. Is that what happened to you? Like you, you hit rock bottom and then you started taking small incremental changes and that's how you developed, you know, what some may call as extreme discipline. Is that how it happened for you? Yeah. I mean, discipline habits are sequential, not simultaneous. So it just doesn't, you just don't wake up one day and all of a sudden you're like, boom, I'm this new, like they're here. The decision may happen in, a, in, a, in an instant, but then you start having to recreate the habits that you've built in your life. And so over time, I just started doing it. So people look at, you know, they're like, wow, I just turned 38 yesterday. People are like, wow, you're 38. You've, you've created a lot and you've done a lot and stuff. I said, yes, but you got to remember, I've been working on myself since I've been 16 years old. And that's just given me, it's just time, right? It's just time on task. And so, yes, when you break that down, it's, it's, it's start. I always tell people when you're building your discipline, start with under promising to yourself, right? Like, so if you want to go start exercise, maybe you say, Hey, next week, I'm going to go run a mile. Cause what people do, Chris, is they, they go, what they listen to something like this, and they get pumped up for a day and maybe they're drinking caffeine they're doing it. And they're like, okay, tomorrow I'm going to get up at 245. I'm going to meditate for seven hours. I'm going to run 14 miles. I'm going to go swim across the ocean. And they, they overwhelm themselves or, or give so much to themselves that they don't get any of it done. And they end up negotiating in their head about what they can or cannot do. So my advice is this, if wherever you're at, and for me, when I, I, I get up really early now, but I, I was getting up at 738, then it was 715 and then 645 and then six. And then I'm, and I was like, five, it was like around 530. I remember reading an article about Tim Cook um, when he was, he was now CEO of Apple and he was taking over and how he gets up at 330 in the morning. Yeah. And I was like, well, man, if this guy's getting up at 330 in the morning, I better start getting up at 330 in the morning. So then I just tried that on for a little while and see how that fit. And I've developed my routine since then. What time, what time uh, do you go to bed? Early, man. I've been in bed between eight and eight fifteen the last like three nights in a row. Um, oh. I have three kids under seven, and so I put them in the bed, and I used to usually work my way right over. And I, I explain to people like around five o'clock is like normal is like my is like your nine thirty time, right? Which is why I'm just around four o'clock in the afternoon. I'm just done, right? I'm just because I've been going at it for so long. So yes, I go. So people always ask, what time do you go to bed? And I, go, I go to bed early. Yes, I just I do. So between what's your routine like between three thirty and you know, before you get to the office. So I get up. The first thing I do is I meditate for 20 minutes. Um, I do what's called transcendental meditation. Um, so I, I literally drink a glass of water and I meditate. And then as soon as I'm done meditating, I go through a series of journaling. The first journal that I have is just my affirmations or gratitude journal. And I'm just, I use Evernote and it's just, I'm grateful for the rain. I'm grateful for the air. I'm grateful for my health. I'm grateful for my kids' health, whatever it is. I just get into a rhythm and I just get an I'm grateful for. And then I have a journal for each one of my kids, Chris. And, um, and I don't know about you, but I don't remember when I was five and six and three and seven. And so that if something were to happen to me today, I journal about my kids and how I feel about them leaving intangibles because I would never want them to not know how I felt about them if something were to happen. So every day I journal about something new that they did. 
I use Evernote, so I, I use my iPad and I bring photos right into it. So every day since every one of my kids is born, they have a history of their life, what they said, what they did, what they became, the, the, the challenges that I'm going with them, all these little cool things about their life. What it also does is a model for me to stay present with my kids, at least for five minutes the night before, because if I don't, Sometimes I'll just get lost in my own thinking and I, and maybe I'm the only one, but this helps me say, okay, you know what? If I have to journal about them tomorrow, I have to find something that's different. And then it forced me to take a photo of that. So I'm just, it helps me be in that moment. Um, so I do that with three of my kids. And then I have one for my wife, which, um, you know, sometimes that takes about 20 minutes to find something you're grateful for, for her. Um, but I don't want to, I don't want to bring any, any negative energy to our conversation, our relationship when she gets up. So I find something about, um, that she's done that I'm grateful for. And I write that in there. I gotta, I, I gotta interrupt real quick, man. So there's a, there's a lot of people on here that have kids and a lot of people can use like family and all that as a distraction to your success. Um, so like, like how, how do you, you know, consistently follow through with this routine when, you know, especially when you've got young, young kids, like they may not go to bed at eight o'clock, they'll wake up at three o'clock or two o'clock in the morning and they're screaming and they're yelling and like your, your whole morning routine, you know, gets botched or maybe they wake up at three. Right. And now your morning, you know, time for personal development is like toast. Like, how do you overcome that? Like, what's like, you know, what, what are you doing to be consistent at it? Yeah. Well, I guess the, the, one of the number one reasons is I have a pretty amazing wife who gets up with my kids in the middle of the night if they need to, and helps out with a lot of that stuff. To, so allows me to maintain that morning uh, in there and we get her leverage as well too. So she can help out that. But if I'm up with my kids too, as well, I will put them in a structure so they know that I'm, I'm maintaining it. And it's just, to me, that's my block of time. And I'll hold that line as much as I can on that. I just don't negotiate with this time. If I don't get this in, I'm just not the same person every day. I'm just not, I'm sure you probably feel the same way. Sure. And so I just, I, I don't allow um, excuses or distractions in my life. Now, if, if, look, I always tell people, they can either get a story or their result. If the person gets the result, they get the result. And what people fail to forget is that the same person that has a story that got the result, the same problems occur. Like, it's not like somebody in 60 days who got the result didn't have family problems, didn't have issues with money, didn't have issues with people. They did. They just figured it out. Right. And so you, you have to decide in the, in the moments that you're in, in the moment that you're interacting with in life, that you're going to have a story, you're going to have a result, or you're going to negotiate with yourself. So I think the X factor in all this is like your internal desire to want to have this has to be very, very high. Yes. So, um, Adam, for you, what's, what, um, what, uh, number one, what's your internal desire to be so high to where you can be committed to being resourceful to figuring shit out when it's super hard. And number two, how, you know, how do you help as a leader? How do you help other people discover, um, you know, how they can find that internal burning desire to, you know, get super resourceful, think outside of the box. Like talk to me about those, those two things. Well, the answer to the second question is easy. The once you start putting this into your life, you automatically are raising the lid for everybody else around you. And so you're just leading by example. And then by nature, the people that you've attracted into your organization want to grow. Like I believe business is nothing but a conduit for our personal growth. And so our whole ethos and Adam Herder and other companies is, is personal growth through business success. And so we use business as a way to grow. And so when you approach it from that way, you're not hampered by fear. You don't have the same issues. The, the issues show up, but you're solving from a different place of you. 
for me, I wake up every day and my, my goal is to develop higher levels of spirituality, which is just a, that's just a sexy spirituality. Don't get lost in the word. It doesn't mean like you're on some cliff reciting poems with a fireplace behind you. It just means that there's something more than you. And so for me is I wake up and say, how do I develop more spirituality? How do I create a world large enough for my people to continue to expand their people? The other thing is you have to have a reason to get up. I always joke with people. I'm like, they're like, I'm not morning people. I'm like, when's the last time you took an early morning flight? Oh, they're like, oh, two weeks ago. I'm like, what time did you get up? They're like three. I'm like, see, you made it. Most people just don't have a reason strong enough, like you were saying, Chris, to get up. If I didn't have my routine that I was going through, I wouldn't want to get up early. I would sleep in, right? And so you have, you have to find a model and system that gets you going. And then as soon as I'm done um, my journaling, I get right into two or three hours of actual uh, physical workouts every single day uh, where I'm listening to audible books and swimming, biking, and running. And then I just, then I eat with my family and then I'm at the office by 8.30. So my internal drive is to continue to develop myself spiritually. But the only way I'm going to develop myself spiritually is by forcing situations that cause me to grow. If you're not, look, the reason why you put yourself in a tough situation is to be able to get through it and grow it and I believe wholeheartedly people grow to give, right? They grow through an experience to give. It's funny because when you're going through the experience, nobody wants to share what they're going through. But the minute you make it through it, you want to share it to everybody because you've been through it. I would encourage any of you to understand that if you're going through something tough, share it. It gets it off your, it's like a it's cloud that kind of evaporates so you can then get clarity around what it is that you need to do in making those decisions in your life. What are, Adam, what's your biggest fear? What are your biggest fears in life right now? What are your biggest, you know, the things that give you the most anxiety? What's the stuff that, um, you know, you struggle with? Well, I struggle with a lot, um, right? I've, uh, I, you know, one of my, I wake up every day and I say, well, why do people need me? <laughs> right? I don't have a job in my organization. People employ me. I don't employ people anymore, even though we've got, you know, 450 people in my company. Um, you know, I, I, and so I wake up going how I can't fail these people. I need to grow personally. And if I stop growing, most of my leaderships, my leadership team will, will exit. So it's it, part of people have this fear of success because it's not that getting there. It's that once they get there, can they maintain it? So there's fears that show up, fear of losing talent, right? Fear of not, you know, of, of being sued by for like $15 million, right? Those type of things. And so whenever that stuff comes in, I just learn how to dance with it. I separate myself from the, from thoughts and emotions. And I realize that you we are all back here. We're the witnesser of all things that are happening. We are not our thoughts. We're not our emotions. You're the person behind it, witnessing and watching the things happen in front, in front of us. Cool. Awesome, man. Well, thanks so much for being on here, Adam. You have dropped a lot of a lot of knowledge in the last uh, 45 minutes. Um, I know you got to run to another meeting, but I appreciate you being on here. Uh, for those of you guys tuning in to CEO Secrets, be sure to check out Adam Hergenrother's book, uh, The Founder and Force Multiplier. It's on iTunes, Amazon, and Audible. And um, uh, Adam, are you are uh, are you? Um, I'm going to be doing any like speaking or any events going on around the country. Any yeah, actually, any, um, I'm speaking in actually Wrigley field on September, uh, 13th. So okay, cool. Hal, Hal Elrod and I are speaking together, uh, at Wrigley field. So if people want to come check us, that's the uh, next coming up in the next couple of weeks. That's awesome, man. That's a great book. The miracle morning with Hal yeah. Elrod. Yeah. Absolutely. Great book. Well guys, thanks so much for tuning in to CEO secrets, whether you're live on Facebook or listen to this on replay, uh, be sure to check out um, our, our book, The Million Dollar Real Estate Team, if you're looking to scale your real estate business 
and um, tune in for the, the, the next show to come. Thanks again, Adam. Appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Want to become your own CEO? Join our CEO master class at brokeragehacks.com forward slash masterclass. That's brokeragehacks.com slash masterclass. Learn everything from agent training and lead generation programs to what systems are the best to use in order to maximize your return on investment. And on top of that, learn the tricks of the trade from the president of Waters International Realty during our live web classes.